Welcome to the Jewish Diaspora Report. On this week's episode, and in honor of Holocaust Remembrance Day, I'm going to walk in the footsteps of my grandmother to Auschwitz-Birkenau. Let's get started. In May 2016, I was fortunate enough to go on a group trip to Poland and explore the history of the Jewish people in Europe. As a history lover and a person who'd studied the Holocaust for many years, I'd only really seen the European landscape on film or read about it in books. What made this situation a little bit more interesting, of course, was I was doing it in honor of my grandmother who had passed away not too long before that. I was very fortunate to have my grandmother sit down with me in front of a camera and answer some questions about her experience. And throughout this podcast, you're going to hear some quotes directly from the video. I remember one of the most impactful moments uh, was on the second day of my trip there when we walked to the gates of Auschwitz-Birkenau. I recall specifically looking uh, sort of in the distance, and all of a sudden what seemed like came out of a gray sky, kind of out of a cloud, was the gates of Auschwitz II, Birkenau. I recognize the gates immediately. I have seen hundreds of documentaries. I've seen movies. I have read books and looked at pictures, and I'll be honest, nothing really could prepare me to see that image of the gates of Auschwitz that sort of seemed almost ghostly. I remember walking up and seeing the train tracks that lead inside. And the minute I walked inside, of course, you could realize the scale. You know, the, the movies could never do justice. The, the books that you read uh, give you figures of how large this camp is. But standing at the gates on the inside, you can see that the camp goes on in all directions for such distances that you could almost not see the end. You are obviously surrounded by the cement columns and the barbed wire that still remains today, uh, mostly intact. And you can realize, I remember it was kind of drizzling that day when we got in, and uh, we'll talk about the weather a little bit later, but you walk in and you see these fences and you, you hear the rain falling and you wonder what that would have been like when it was electrified and the horrific sounds of being trapped inside this complex on a rainy day. And you could see what seemingly looks like endless barracks that are mostly gone at this point because they were made of wood. But the chimneys that were made of bricks for each barrack that would have held uh, some sort of fire and uh, allow the people to keep themselves remotely warm. I remember following the tracks into the camp to where one now stationary cattle car is placed and it's meant to serve as sort of an example of what the people who arrived at the camp would have arrived in. A train and the wagon, like animals. They take animals and they put in the wagons and they take them. They put us there, not the family together. I just was with my sister. My father was in another wagon and my sister's my children and everybody in another wagon, they throw like like uh, piece of wood. Everybody in, 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 in Auschwitz, after I see them, when they take us out from the wagons. And all I could think about was that I was standing very close to the exact spot that my grandmother was when she was first getting off the train and explained Fast, fast, we have to make very, very fast. I don't know where to go. Go with older people, younger people. 
I went with the older people because they have children and they have... One German uh, came and uh, threw me to the people where they go to the ovens, older people. And after come another German and look at me, I was young, I can work. He take me out and put me in, in another uh, line. I see my father, he was standing and, and I, I give him, I find on the floor a half a bread and I give him a half a bread and I told him, soon we go, I see you. And he say he couldn't walk very well. He say, uh, they told me I go with the, with a truck and I didn't see him no more. As she got off the train and was forced into one line, she thought she was doing herself some good by being with all of the women with young children, not realizing, of course, that the people who had young children were often sent to the gas chambers immediately. A German, seeing a 20-year-old young woman who was able to work, grabbed her and threw her into the other line, which saved her life. Our next step was following the path of my great-grandfather and many of their family heading down the road to the crematoriums and the gas chambers. I remember we walked up past some rusted old gates with some barbed wire on them, which obviously separated this area from the rest of the camp. Although from some testimonies we've seen and video depictions in movies, you could probably always see the fires and smoke from the chimneys, no matter how high these little walls were. As we passed through the gates and saw the remains of the crematorium, the destroyed buildings that once stood there, you can still see what used to be the dressing room exposed on all sides with its red brick and stairway heading down. All I could imagine at the time, of course, was walking the steps of my great-grandfather and many of my family as they would have walked towards these steps being told that they were just going to be taken into the camp and all they needed was a shower to clean them from the trip that they had just taken. I wondered if this was the same stairway that my great-grandfather would have walked down. He would have undressed in this area and be led towards the gas chambers unknowingly. Myself and many of my tripmates sat on a little bit of a stairway just to reflect on the moment and a rabbi in our group started to speak and say the mourner's Kaddish or the prayer for the dead, which many of us participated in. And I recall specifically the entire morning was extremely gray and, and rainy and cold, but the moment that he started saying the prayer, and I'm not even joking, it became light and all of a sudden the sun came out and then quickly retreated again once the prayer was over. I wish I could say this is just an exaggeration, but I do in fact have photos of this exact thing. As we left the crematorium, we followed the path that those who would have survived in the camp would have walked through another set of rusty old gates and barbed wire fences. We walked past this to what was called the sauna or the intake area. I remember this first room that you go into would have probably been crowded with many people being registered and given a number. Currently in this room, they have an exhibit of some clothing, some shoes, some personal effects that would have been taken off of people at this point in the process. They would be asked to undress. I'm left staring at shoes and clothing, thinking to myself, how would it have felt to be in a room having to strip down and lose all of your personal belongings? We pass through the initial room and head into a room that's marked very clearly with the German word hair cutting room. And I recall specifically my grandmother talking about this, and it stuck with me as we walked past the sign. 
they take us uh, after we have to walk in a place and they take uh, the hair like the boys was no hair. They took down the hair everywhere to the end. I didn't recognize my sister. I didn't recognize the girls what they, they selected. And, and they was there with uh, dogs. And you couldn't say a word. They tell the dog to jump on you. I remember as I passed through the hair room, there was a sign on the wall that said that prisoners at this point were stripped down and given wooden clogs. And, you know, the funny thing was that I never really understood. My grandmother had a thick accent, as you could hear, and she her English was, was getting better. <laughs> but the saddest part was I never understood the word wooden shoes until I saw this sign, and for the first time it made sense. In, after they give us a shower, and they give us the uh, was uh, uh, dresses like uh, a design what they had in the lager. Everything I, I had beautiful boots, and I was I, I was loved the boots. I couldn't find after my boots, and I take a poor a pair of wooden boots, wooden shoes. I couldn't walk with the shoes. I think the issue with the wooden shoes really connected me to my grandmother in that moment and was very emotional because no matter how much I studied, no matter how many things that I saw online or in movies, the issue of the wooden shoes that I couldn't really ever figure out finally made sense and it gave me a connection that I was in the place living and breathing and seeing the things that my grandmother once saw our next stop was the pond that was behind the sauna. This was a man-made area that would be used for dumping the ashes of the Jewish prisoners who were murdered. And I remember my group and I stood there and we actually lit candles to memorialize those who were lost in this pond. And even though I've spent most of my life sort of focusing on my grandparents and their stories and what they went through, for the first time I believe I realized that Many of my great aunts, great uncles would have been taken to ponds like this. For the first time, I really think I had a connection to those people as I lit my candle and said a prayer. I remember yet again, not surprisingly, while we lit our candles and said our prayers, the sun came out. We were able to walk around and see the places that my grandmother probably lived in, the barracks that are still standing, the beds that she would have slept in. It was definitely overwhelming to imagine that I'm walking in the footsteps of my grandmother in most definitely the worst part of her life. As we turned and left the Auschwitz death camp, I turned back to see one last time the things that we had gone over for the day, and I noticed a rainbow appearing over top of the Auschwitz-Birkenau death camp. I have a photo of this rainbow in the interesting juxtaposition between the horrible place that that is and the, the pain and suffering and the beauty of nature around it. When we come back on the Jewish Diaspora Report, we're going to talk about Treblinka, the death camp that I'm also connected to, but never knew until I got there. Stay with us.
A more mysterious part of my family history is my grandfather, who unfortunately seemed to be very secretive of his Holocaust experience. The story we were told was something about how he fled to Russia to work in Siberia as a way of protecting himself from the Nazis. Unfortunately, I never got a chance to actually get any video with him before he passed away. We were traveling through Treblinka, the death camp where over 800,000 people were murdered. I remember walking up to the camp and seeing an open field filled with massive stones. The stones were arranged in no particular order. They seemed very random and scattered, different sizes, different shapes. At the center of this field filled with thousands of stones is a memorial for the spot where the bodies from the gas chambers would be put on a fire pit and burned and scattered. Being that I had very little connection to Treblinka, I figured I would go around and uh, help my friends who knew that they had family members who had passed away here. A friend of mine and I walked through the massive amount of stones looking for a city called Radom. And as she stood in front of this monument that was about the same size as she was, I took a step back to have a moment alone with this uh, monument. I thought to myself how silly it was that I wasn't looking around and, and keeping an eye out for any type of city names on these thousands of stones that I was walking past. And without even moving a step, I looked at my feet and this stone had the name Mizrich Poladsky on it, the same exact name of my grandfather's town. The chances of this, I'm sure some statistician could tell you, one in a million chance that I would end up walking right next to the stone from my grandfather's town. It was like something had pulled me towards there and made me think to start looking for names of monuments and find the exact monument that I didn't know I was looking for. So at this point, I had a dark realization that chances are that my entire grandfather's family probably ended up here at Treblinka and were murdered. At this point, I bent down and touched the stone with my hands. I lit a candle for memorializing the people from my family who probably ended up here at Treblinka. I ended up speaking with some of my tripmates to tell them of this incredible coincidence. And the survivor who was with us on the trip had mentioned that her husband too was from this town. She had told me that her husband was also in Siberia during the war. Apparently, he had been kidnapped by the Russians in order to go work in Siberia for their war effort. This obviously cleared up a little bit of an interesting family mystery. Just imagining the coincidence of me coming across this monument, but also happening to talk to the survivor whose husband could give us the key to possibly what happened to my grandfather, why he left in order to go to Siberia and then finding out where his family likely ended up was quite the amazing and, and awe-inspiring feeling. Walking in the footsteps of my grandmother and even my grandfather's family was honestly something that I could probably never forget, and I ended up going back a couple of years later in order to lead a trip like this for younger people. A few amazing things that I experienced from this trip, of course, was being able to literally walk in my family's footsteps and have a better understanding of what they went through. It is so important for Jewish people to explore these issues because as the survivors are now becoming less and less able to speak and go on these trips, we as the next generation must pick up the torch and continue this struggle to make sure never means never when we say never forget. For this Holocaust Memorial Day, I think back to the time I spent in Europe, walking in my grandparents' footsteps, 
and exploring what they had to go through in order to pass this story along to my children and everybody in the future. This has been the Jewish Diaspora Report. Check us out on social media at jdr.podcast. We'll see you next time.